0: Here we go. It's another big week in the NFL for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. This is the Bucks Wire podcast powered by USA Today Sports. Now your host, Ryan O'Leary and Bucks Wire editor, Luke Easterling. All right. Welcome into the show. Week 18 of the regular season. And man, Luke, we were just talking off the air. If only we had something to cover this week with the Bucks, right? Is there is there a big story, big headline out there that people can find on Bucks Wire right now if they if they scroll through?
1: Yeah, and I, what did I say, right? I said the only the only way we're going to talk about Antonio Brown today is if we make sure to spend just as much time talking about all the awesome good stuff that the Bucks did uh, on Sunday, and, and instead of letting him steal all the headlines again. But let's go let's go ahead and get uh, get the circus out of the way here.
0: Quick reminder: you can find us wherever you get your pods. Just search for the Bucks Wire. Don't forget to hit uh, that subscribe button. We appreciate you, and yes, uh, I, I think the big story, obviously, is is the Bucks losing Antonio Brown for the rest of the season, Luke. Not because of an injury, but because he was cut in the middle of a game, which that might be the first time in, uh, in NFL history. Now, I know he wasn't officially cut. He's still officially on the roster, as we talk right now on Wednesday afternoon. But just finish this sentence for me, Luke. Antonio Brown's, like, half-naked exit during the, the Jets game on Sunday was
1: exactly how we all expected his career in Tampa Bay to end. Holy crap. Maybe a few variables off here and there, a few details. But, Ryan, go back to the very first conversation you and I had about this when they when they made this move last October. And this is exactly what we said, yep. if I'm not mistaken. Give no, you or take not. a few words here and there, a few details. But this is what we said. This is what you're signing up for. You are signing up for a, a poten- the, the weekly daily potentiality of this moment right here. And again, that's after the whole suspension for the vaccine thing. That's after punching a Titans player in the face during practice. That's after multiple situations, which could have been the strike, you know, the one strike that Bruce Arian said he was going to get, right? I mean, I'm not, I'm just not surprised, unfortunately. I'm disappointed, frustrated again. You know, it is what it is. But, I mean, isn't this exactly what we were all afraid w- would happen?
0: That was good TV. <laughs> I was watching the Red Zone channel when it happened. And I literally had to rewind it back, Luke, like five times. I was, it was one of those, I'm going to have to see that again moments. Like A.B. taking off the pads, <laughs> doing the cheerleading thing in the end zone, waving to the crowds, deuces, heading down the tunnel. That was bizarre, man. That was wild. And only in the NFL can can that happen. And the, uh, you know, the broadcasters are like, I've never seen anything like that in my life. All right, second and ten, you know, and then just move on with the game because we just. I to think plans. that's
1: my favorite part. My favorite part is the the juxtapos- the juxtaposed images <laughs> of the Bucks mounting a a furious second half comeback, down fourteen points, and a vintage break, you know, Brady comeback in the last seconds, while a B is standing on the sidewalk waiting for an Uber.
0: <laughs> he was literally waiting for an Uber, right? That, that's in that's a, in a
1: game he played in, like just. I mean, that's just that's an iconic image forever. I think.
0: Yeah. So. I mean, obviously the Bucks weighed the risks of signing AB last year. They won a Super Bowl. They're you know they're going to be a top four seed in the playoffs. So maybe they maybe it's a net positive. I don't know, but still the franchise has been laughed at all week, Luke, and that's what Tom Brady, Bruce, and everybody else who's been going to bat for him—that's what they're getting, right? That's what they're getting this week, and it's hard to feel bad for for those guys for for backing AB uh, through all this because we've seen that he's had trouble. Since his Steeler days, right, and I don't know if he's doing the right things to like really get himself right. I I don't know if we're seeing that. We just keep seeing episodes like this where he just continues to like do wild stuff and quit on people. Now, Tom Brady and Bruce they have to answer these questions on the last week of the regular season, and that's on them. That's on them for backing him.
1: Yeah, I mean, you you said it. I I don't feel bad for them at all. I, I this is what you signed up for. This is exactly the risk you took. And you know, obviously, from a human perspective, I can understand them. You know, the words they said about you know, hoping that you know, there's not you know bigger issues, and that he's you know going to be all right, and caring about him more as a person than than as a football player. All of that is true. I I don't, I don't discount that one bit. It's just like you said when you when you attach your franchise and you attach your your reputation and your word to the fact that this guy is going to you know stay out of trouble, and and it plays out exactly how. Most of the rest of us assumed that eventually it would. It's just it's not about whether I feel bad or not. It's just I don't understand how, how anybody can be surprised that, that this is how, how it turned out. And and the thing is, moving forward, I don't think how I don't know how anybody could be surprised if he gets another chance to go do it somewhere else.
0: So now the big story here is um, the Bucks have to pivot offensively right, to some unproven guys. Because what was once uh, just a, a deadly attack with Chris Godwin and Mike Evans and Antonio Brown and Gronk. It's now Mike Evans and Gronk, and some combination of Tyler Johnson, Cyril Grayson, who I know you love, Scotty Miller, and Brashad Perriman, right? So that is what we're left with, and will that be enough to survive and advance in the playoffs on offense? That's the question now, Luke. What do you think?
1: Yeah, it is the question, and I think it it absolutely is enough because of two things. Number 12, and the five guys uh, lined up in front of him. Uh, you've got, in my opinion, maybe the best offensive line in the, in the league. They definitely were uh, rewarded as such with three Pro Bowl nods. I feel like Donovan Smith could have gotten another one. Alex Cap is an alternate. Um, Aaron Stinney actually just came back. To, he got cleared for practice today to come back from injured reserve. He's been out with a knee injury since late November. Um, that, that group, um, I think they've given up 21 sacks in 16 games. So, uh, you know, that, that unit is, is huge. And anytime you have number 12 throwing the ball and you are giving him that much time to be able to, to pick defenses apart and find the open guy and, and go across his progressions uh, without getting touched, you're going to have a chance no matter who he's throwing to. And We've talked about this before that some of the guys that that he won Super Bowls with as key parts of their passing game in the past. Um, it shouldn't surprise anybody when he's able to have success with whoever you put in the lineup. So, yeah, you've got one future Hall of Famer in Mike Evans. You've got one future Hall of Famer in, in Rob Gunkowski. Usually two is enough. <laughs> two two future Hall of Famers in your offense is enough when you have to go throw to them right. and you have an offensive line that keeps you uh, upright. So the rest is gravy. So you've got guys, and again, we've talked about this before. Tyler Johnson is young, but he came up big in multiple moments last year in the playoffs. Scotty Miller, we know what he can do. He's kind of been... In the, I don't know if the doghouse is the right word. I don't think he did anything wrong. He just hasn't been given enough opportunities this year. Brashad uh, Perriman has come up big in, in key moments since his return. And Cyril Grayson Jr. is perhaps the best story on the team right now. I'll never forget being in the locker room the day he uh, arrived in 2019. This was late in the season when uh, when the Bucks had Miller, Evans, and Godwin all had hamstring injuries. And they were I think they were all at that point maybe out for the season or at least out for a few weeks. Uh, and, and I was just standing there with Cyril Grayson at his locker just after he had arrived and, and I'm just, you know, chatting it up with him. And he told me, he's like, he's like, yeah, I've been driving for Uber, been uh, <laughs> you know, tried some other delivery services. I just got my, my sub, substitute teaching license last week. Uh, and just kind of told my wife like, Hey, you know, th- I think this may be it. The phone's really not ringing. Let's talk about, you know, what would be next for me. Uh, and this is, this is a guy that didn't play college football, by the way. He was a sprinter at LSU. He didn't play football. He just showed up at the pro day and was like, hey, I can play. And they were like, oh, my gosh. Um, so, I mean, just a phenomenal story. Phenomenal guy. I really enjoyed that conversation and getting to know his journey at that time. And, you know, the Bucks called him in 2019. He showed up. He made some plays for them. Obviously made enough of an impression that he's stuck around. He's been on the practice squad. Bruce has talked about it all week about – you know, him being on the scout team and, and, you know, making plays against their starters no matter the, the playbook that he's running for some other team. You know, so he has put the work in and clearly earned Tom Brady's trust to the point where again, you can talk about that game winning touchdown, and that's obviously the one everybody's gonna remember. I'm gonna go back to the drive before that, when he made that catch on third and twenty, when the Bucks were deep in their territory. If he doesn't if they don't convert that, they're punting the ball from deep in their own territory, they're still down and it gives the Jets more than enough time to, to run more time off the clock and, and stay ahead by a touchdown, and they don't even go down and get, get points to to make it to where they that, that touchdown wins it at the end. So he made multiple plays on that. He had another catch on that on that final drive as well. I mean, that's the guy right now. He's he's the one guy who is stepping up and saying, you know, I'm going to make plays in key moments. Go back to the week before. He averaged 27 yards a catch, I think, against the Panthers in, in the week before that as yeah, well. So, yeah. I mean, he's... Again, clearly got Brady's trust, and that's really all that matters. He can block. He, he's trusted in the running game. I think he becomes that number two guy, and and why not? He's paid his dues. The work ethic has, has clearly set a, a, an example, and, and Brady's rewarding him by going to him in, in key moments and he's delivered.
0: That's interesting that he was a uh, track star because you, you got the sense at the end there when Brady was just like, Yo, man, F it. You just just run. Just run. Go to, go to the end zone. I'm going to hit you. Yeah. You know, that's probably I mean, what it was.
1: That was the one enduring image from that drive was you got two minutes, no timeouts. You're at, the, you're at your own seven. They didn't complete a pass and get out of bounds the whole drive. Yeah. They did not stop the clock on a completed pass the whole drive. So it's Very not cool. like Brady had a breather and there were two or three moments where after a, either a short completion that didn't even get a first down or after one that you know they got tackled before they got out of bounds where you would see... Maybe even the receiver panicking and getting the ball back. And oh my God, we got to set it. And then the camera would pan to Brady. And he's literally like making the, the no huddle gestures, like looking at the yep. receiver, like holding up like a circle. He looked like he was like asking for, for water from the waiter. Like he's just like, excuse me, when you get a moment, just like the coolest, calmest so in clocks running. You know, yeah. you have no timeouts. And he's just, yep, okay, we're going to do a circle. We're going to do a cheeseburger on this side. We're going to do this and go. And he makes a catch. And then he turns around, does it again, does it again and then delivers an absolute rocket uh, to Grayson for the touchdown there with 15 seconds left. And then we finally got a smile out of him. He turns around at Byron Leftwich and gives him the, the little point point, the smile. I mean, that's vintage Brady, man. I don't know what else anybody could want. I, and I don't know what else Jets fans expected. Come on. what, what You've seen else. this story a million yeah. times. You knew exactly how that was going to end if you were a Jets fan. Oh, as soon
0: as they kept the offense out there. I think Jets fans knew what was going to happen. They're, what we're gonna, a, we're what miss a this. stop
1: by the defense, yeah, was great. right? That was great. Joe Tryon. I mean, terrible, terrible call. Like, stupid, stupid decision by them to, to not kick the field goal. And if you're going to go for it, yeah. a two-and-a-half-yard quarterback sneak from your rookie against that defensive line. Go, good good luck. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, just, just, again, complimentary football. Your defense makes the play, gives it back to you. Offense rewards them with a great drive, and you win the game.
0: Yeah, I was going to say the same thing um, when you were talking about Brady. It's just like his control is, in that situation is unlike anyone else. It's just He is so calm, and as a fan, you're like freaking out. You're like, oh, my God, there's 18 seconds. Tom, there's 17 seconds. And he's not ru- – like every other quarterback's rushing up to spike it, and he's calling plays. Yeah, and
1: again, you need a touchdown, not a field goal. <laughs> yeah,
0: it's just so different. But you mentioned the defense, and uh, we definitely didn't see it in spades against the Jets, right? Like 24 points, 374 total yards allowed, 150 rushing yards, like – that's I don't care who the Bucs out on the field. That's too much against the uh Jets. Um in week yeah, 17, like, we want them to be better. Um I think they can flip a switch. We've seen them do it. I think they can flip a switch. But yeah, that that stop at the end was huge and I just feel like even if we have confidence in these guys, Grayson Johnson, Miller to to step up. I do feel like Luke like the defense is going to have to find that magic again, right? They're going to have to flip that switch and and be great and kind of dominate for the Bucks to win another Super Bowl. You agree with that?
1: Yeah, and, and again, the big thing I'll point to Sunday obviously is no Shaq Barrett, no Jason Pierre-Paul, no Levante David. So not just your maybe your three best defensive players, but also three of your your most influential leaders and, yep. and you know a defensive captain and again both of your top pass rushers. Uh, just a huge, huge three huge losses for that defense. And again, you know Devin White really hasn't been playing that well. He, he's you know I think we're seeing what it's like to try to play alongside Levante David all the time, and then without him a good bit of the time. And again, without those those edge rushers, and Jason Pierre-Paul is as good a run defender as he is a pass rusher, and you lose Shaq Barrett, who's your number one pass rusher. It just it, it takes a toll. You know, I, I, One thing I will point to also on the positive side is Sunday was the first time that the Bucks have had their entire starting secondary since week one. On the field at the same time, those, those top three DBs, th- top three safeties and top three corners, all healthy on the field at the same time. For the first time since Dallas in in Week One, so that unit getting healthy is huge. Again, potentially getting back Levante, Shack, and and Jason Pierre-Paul for the playoffs. I think we'll see a much different unit in the playoffs than we we saw Sunday against the Jets.
0: You mentioned uh, Cyril Grayson being a former Uber driver. Can you imagine being that Uber driver that pulled up to the stadium to pick up AB? That would have, that would have been a sight. That would have been unbelievable Jeez. if you're that driver.
1: Somebody I I can't remember if it was Rich Eisen or or somebody was like he better not have a higher Uber rating than I do <laughs> Seriously. As a writer.
0: Oh, oh man, it's always interesting with the Bucks. And uh, I got some I got some stuff to throw at Luke here in our questions of the week coming up. Stick with us.
2: This is the typical sports fantasy minute. Let's make this interesting. Interesting.
3: Week 18 of the fantasy football season. I'm Corey Benini of the Huddle.com here to bring you strong plays in case you're still in the championship hunt. Quarterback Sam Darnold, Carolina Panthers at Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Risky for sure. But he has some weapons left in the passing game, and the Buccaneers have given up plenty of fantasy points to the position in the 2021 season. Eight quarterbacks have gone over the 20-point mark. And while Darnold barely managed half of that in Week 16, he faces a Tampa defense for the second time that may take an opportunity to get a little healthier before the more important work begins. Running back Deontay Foreman, Tennessee Titans at Houston Texans. Foreman should be a fixture in lineups, provided Derrick Henry doesn't return. And he's still useful as a flex, even if Henry does come back. The Texans have given up the most fantasy points per game to running backs in the last five weeks, and the third most on the year. No team is permitted touchdowns at a higher frequency, and this is the number two matchup for rushing yards per game since... Week 12. Wide receiver Cyril Grayson Tampa Bay Buccaneers versus Carolina Panthers. Thrust into increased playing time due to injury, among other predictable outcomes, Grayson has been explosive each and every time he's been granted a chance to show it. In Week 8 versus the New Orleans Saints, he housed his only target on a 50-yarder. In the past two games, he has 11 targets, turning them into 9 receptions for 162 yards and a score. Tom Brady will play in this one, and the bizarre ending to Antonio Brown's career as a Buccaneer opens the door for Grayson to see at least a half dozen targets versus a Carolina secondary that's banged. Up and has given up a ton of PPR points in recent weeks. Tight end Hunter Henry, New England Patriots at Miami Dolphins. In the last five weeks, Henry has scored twice, both coming in Week 15's 25.7 point outburst against an Indianapolis defense that struggles versus tight ends. He has no more than three catches for 37 yards in any of the other matchups in that time, and he managed just 31 yards on three grabs in Week 1 versus Miami. In fairness, that was his first game with New England, and it was quarterback Mac Jones's NFL debut. Miami has allowed two scores to the position in the last four games, coming at the eighth highest frequency and this is the 10th best opponent to face for yards per game since week 12. The fun doesn't stop at the huddle. Be sure to check us out at thehuddle.com for more award winning fantasy football tips, news, and advice.
2: That was your typical Sportsbook Fantasy Minute. Win your fantasy football league with thehuddle.com and use them to dominate player prop bets at Typico Sportsbook. For a limited time, new Typico Sportsbook users in Colorado and New Jersey from this podcast will enjoy a special welcome bonus. Get your bonus today at usatodaybet.com slash podcast. That's usatodaybet.com slash podcast. For terms and conditions, 21 plus only. Gambling problem? Call in New Jersey In Colorado.
0: All right, it's time for our questions of the week. Three questions for Luke that typically I come up with for him, either on the Bucks or on my man crush for Tom Brady or other big topics from around the NFL. But now we have a way for you, the listener, to join us in this segment. You can submit a question for us to answer by calling area code 619-832-1696 and leaving us a voicemail. So again, if you would like to be part of the show and you have a question about the team that you'd like us to cover, leave us a voicemail at area code 619-832-1696. We'll pick some questions each week to play over the air and give you our takes. We look forward to hearing from you. Question number one. Chris Godwin recently underwent successful surgery, uh, ACL, MCL repairs. He's expected to make a full recovery. Just got me thinking about his future, right? I mean, obviously played on the franchise tag for the Bucs this year. How do you see this playing out for Godwin in the offseason? Should the Bucks risk letting him walk? You know, they could let him test the market, I guess, if they think he's coming back from an injury, but they could also just say, screw that, we can't let this guy go and, and work on a new contract. What's up with Godwin's future, you think?
1: I would have extended him the day after the injury. And I said, I'm pretty sure I said that on Twitter. Actually, okay. like, go, do it now. I don't yep. care. And again, part of, part of it is because we're seeing these guys come back from these injuries, not just you know quick, more quickly, but and still playing at an extremely high level. Look what happened to Joe Burrow this this season after the season-ending injury last year. Look at Cam Akers. Cam Akers is about to play this week. He tore his Achilles in July. I think it was. That's wild. That's insane, man. I mean, just you know, hats off to the medical community for their technological advances and their expertise, right? Getting these guys back to the point where they can play so quickly and, and maintain that high level of play. But assuming he's able to make a full recovery, I mean, he doesn't even turn 26 until next month. So you're talking about a guy who's, who's 26 going into to next season. He played on the franchise tag this year and he's one of the most complete wide receivers in the league. He does everything at a high level. Can you find somebody who's faster than he is? Probably. Can you find somebody who runs sharper routes? Probably. Can you find somebody bigger, You know, you can do all those things. I don't think you can find a guy who can do everything that he does at the level he does as a as a total package. Maybe Devontae Adams. And I think even that's kinda iffy because I think Chris Galvin is such a punishing blocker. I think that element of his game elevates him. To a different level over over a guy like Adams, but if you want certain things from certain guys, you can find them. But I don't think you find the total package like you find with Godwin, and and because of that, it's because of his skill set that he is so vital to this offense. Because the offense, in terms of the passing game in particular, is built around what he can do. Definitely. Because he plays that Larry Fitzgerald slot position from Bruce Arians' offense, where he moves around. He is the the stir that straws the drink, right? And and because he's so tough, he can block. He works really well in the slot because. It doesn't give things away. You can run out of passing formations with him because you don't lose anything. He blocks like a tight end does, so you're not giving anything away, and you can move him all around the formation. I, I just feel like what he does for this offense, how valuable he is, he's still young. He's proven he can play at a high level. The Bucks are going to play Sunday. It'll be, what, three games without him or two games without him, and he'll still end the year as the team leader in receptions and receiving yards. Um, so, I mean, he's clearly so important to this team. Again, A.B.'s gone now for next year. Who knows what's going to happen behind them? They're going to have Evans, obviously, but they need him. They they need him to run this offense the way it's meant to be run, and I don't care how much it costs. I know they're going to have some important free agents elsewhere. They're going to have to re-sign Carlton Davis. His deal is up their top corner. Ryan Jensen, Alex Kappa, two of those offensive linemen uh, from that unit we spoke about earlier, their contracts are up. They're going to have some tough decisions to make, but I think the first one, it, it's like, it's like last year. We talked about some of the guys that were leaving, some of the guys they needed to, to, to keep. They kept them all. But who was the, the most important one? It was Shaq Barrett, right? There was still a, a number one guy. We have to make sure we keep this guy because of his age and his impact in his particular role. Chris Godwin is that guy this year. And again, similar to Barrett, they played him on the franchise tag. Then they rewarded him with the four-year deal. I think that's what happens this year. We had Godwin on the, on the franchise tag this year. I think he gets his four- or five-year deal, uh, and he's going to get paid like he deserves
0: I'm I'm all for that. I just think he's also
1: I also want to mention also want yep. to mention the salary cap is finally going back up, where it more closer to where it belongs. So that will help out a lot.
0: Yeah, the cap is, was not a problem anyway. But yeah, now that can't be an excuse for them. Yeah, I I don't hope they don't do anything weird nickeling and diming with the injury. I just hope they extend him because that's you can't. No, I, I agree. With I you. think you can't lose if this the guy.
1: Bucks. Have told us anything about the way their front office works? They're not that dumb. Yeah, they they know better.
0: Okay, so you said something in your uh, commentary there there that is like a perfect segue into this question. Number two, Uh, Terrell Owens. Now, some people listening to this might be like, who? All right, so Terrell Owens, he's a 48-year-old Hall of Fame wide receiver. um, Said on his podcast that he could replace AB right now in the Bucs lineup and help them win another Super Bowl, Luke. That seems a little far-fetched because T.O. last played in like 2010, right? You were telling me it's been over a decade, and yes, it has. like 2010. (laughs) So here's the question. Would it behoove the Bucks to look for outside help, like not Terrell Owens, because that's far-fetched, but like a veteran to bring in here, like a Larry Fitzgerald who's out there and has some, obviously he's played with Bruce Arians. And another guy, Des Bryant, like buy or sell a move like that versus sticking with your young guys, just going with them.
1: I mean, particularly with Larry Fitzgerald, my heart says bye just because I love Larry Fitzgerald. Me too. Uh, I would it, just love don't you to feel see like him, him
0: and Brady would be a nice little.
1: Tandem? I think it'd be really, really fun, and and I'd I'd honestly just like to be able to have a Bucks Larry Fitzgerald jersey. I think that would be fun.
0: Good compliment um, to Mike Evans too, the way he plays. Right, wow,
1: right, I, and again because he played that role in this offense, it wouldn't that that's the only one that makes any kind of sense to me. Now Bruce told us today, this is Wednesday. That they're not interested in any outside help whatsoever, and I understand why that is. It's week eighteen, right? It's 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 not like Madden where you can just sign a free agent and he automatically populates into your team, and that's the the end of it. You got to install the offense, you got to get them up to speed. So you feel more comfortable relying on guys who might not be as you know talented in a vacuum, or might not have as much experience, but because they've been in your system for months and months and months and you don't have to explain certain things to them on a a, a days or weeks notice, it makes a big difference and and you can call more plays and, and rely on those guys during the game because they're not having to, you know, you're not asking them to do stuff. They don't know how to do schematically because they've only been in the system for three or four days. So Fitzgerald would be the only exception to that to a certain point, but even like that's, that's just on paper, right? You're putting him in an offense where a bunch of guys he's never played with, a quarterback he hasn't played with It's going to take time to develop that. And it's just too late in the season to make that move. Uh, any of those other guys, it wouldn't make sense at all. Larry's the only one who would. And again, I'd just like to see that from a from a fan perspective. But no, I, I don't expect any kind of move like that.
0: Me too. And again, another perfect segue. How are you doing this, Luke? Another perfect segue into my next question. It's a two-parter. In uh, memory of John Madden, the late John Madden, give me your favorite team and your favorite singular player of all time to queue up in the Madden video game.
1: Well, I mean, Madden, back in, back in some of the old days of Madden, I loved the ability to create teams. I still love that ability, and that's one of my biggest criticisms about EA Sports now is they don't – Madden does not have – if you go play NHL, you can create an incredibly customizable team with your own arena and all these you know, alternate uniforms and all this cool stuff. You can make a mascot for God's sake. Like it's, yeah, I used to love it. It's that incredibly too. robust. Create a team mode that people like me love. Create a players the same way, and they NHL is incredible, FIFA's is incredible, Madden's absolutely sucks, and it's the same thing with Create a Team. So I miss making my own teams. I, the first Madden game I really played a lot was Madden '96 on the Super Nintendo. So um, I was born in '85, so I was like ten or eleven at that point. Me too. And I remember getting the Super Nintendo and and playing madden with guys like all the offensive players were number 15 and all the defensive players were number 51 like <laughs> on the screen like it was just like a vague outline of some sort of digit looking shape and that's what they were so i just love playing yes the, the creamsicle bucks in ninety in madden 96 were, were fun to play with and, and they would they had those signs on the back of the on the back wall that would change with like terrible puns on them uh, like the buck stops here and stuff like that that so that that was my favorite team to play with if I wasn't creating the team but man if you're talking about the best player Madden 04 Michael Vick
0: that's the one Not,
1: that's no the one's thing. close it's like Tecmo and Bo Jackson that those two those two are, are reign supreme if you if that just that, that changed the game Vick in in that game was just unstoppable
0: the 30 step drop roll out and then sprint ahead right that was, that was the play Said all the wide receivers deep know, and just roll out. And just oh, it was,
1: it was so fun, man. And I think, you know, for all that you can look at this uh, a different way. I, one of my favorite writers, Jeff Perlman, he said this week that he asked his nephew if he knew who John Madden was. And he goes, I know what Madden is. And, like, you can look at that two ways, right? You can look at it and be like, oh, my God, kids these days, like, they don't understand. But I look at – I try to look at it from the positive. Like, look at the, at the, the level of impact that John Madden has had In so many different ways on the game of football and how it is consumed and how it is loved and cherished by by the fans and and by anyone who loves this sport. And from being a coach and taking all of that knowledge and success that he had as a Super Bowl Hall of Fame coach into the booth and becoming such an incredible Hall of Fame commentator as well. And the work he put in behind the scenes and and what he would put on the screen for everybody to, to learn and enjoy the game. And then. To understand how video games could take that knowledge to another level with the general public, and maybe even just the casual NFL fan, and and treat the the the, the average NFL fan like they were not stupid, right? Like yeah, he everybody could, he would could love explain to, it
0: in a way that we could understand. That was the yeah, was the and, and
1: it was such an like the video game thing took it to a completely different level. And yes, it became to the point where Pete, you know a generation of kids knows Madden more for as being a now, you know, a video game object than an actual uh, person that lent his name to that game. But to me, I think that makes John Madden smile. I think if, if we were to ask him that he would be happy to know that that continued to have an impact well beyond himself and just continued to represent something that brings so much joy to, to football fans and, and another generation and I think it's i I don't think it's ever gonna end. I think it's gonna continue to go when people play Madden twenty years from now, whatever it looks like, virtual reality, you know, simulator, whatever, his name will still be on it and and rightfully so because of the impact he's always had.
0: Yeah, no, I, I saw this on Twitter and it was so perfect. It's like, you know, you pass away and you're celebrated, not really mourned, you just celebrated immediately. That that means you did something right. That means you did something yeah. right.
1: And John I, Madden, John Madden and Betty White, what a week!
0: Yes, yeah, the two of them just they, they were celebrated and they weren't mourned, and that's that's what it's all about. Okay, so I just want to quickly give you my my favorite team, Patriots. Madden 9 I'm shocked. Brady and Moss both the 99 rating.
1: Oh jeez.
0: You also had Wes Welker and Kevin Falk to play with, and the defense was no slouch either. So I mean, you mm-hmm. could just you could just chuck it up to to Moss, and I believe that was when you could. Tap the the you know tap the button to lob it or just or hold it to gun it. You know you could oh change. yeah yeah so you the, could the, lob it to Moss oh and full it was, control passing yeah lob it to Moss and it was it was unstoppable. I know Mike Vick is he's an easy one to go to. I mean I had a lot of fun running around with Mike Vick playing with the Falcons, but um, Brady to Moss Madden 09. that was that was kind of the, you know the video game was always kind of ahead. So that was coming off that two thousand seven season for the Pats Moss's uh, rating just went skyrocketed. You know after he had his rebirth there. That was my favorite team. You're not surprised Un- at all.
1: Underrated, honorable mention. I, I can't. I think it was 08 when he was on the cover. Vince Young. Yeah,
0: yeah, the yeah, Titans yeah, yeah, yeah. In
1: 08, very similar impact. Wasn't people. quite at Vic's level, but man, he was fun to play with.
0: Yeah, you could run people over too. That was fun. That's true. All right, we have a game this week. Bucks Panthers. We'll talk about the spread and what all the uh, playoff scenarios mean for the Bucks right after this.
1: This is the typical
2: sports book minute. Let's make this interesting.
1: What's up? This is Jeff Clark from the Bet Slippin' Podcast presented by SportsbookWire.com. I'm here with my handicap and homie, Nathan Beagle, to break down this week's Sunday night football game between the Los Angeles Chargers and the Las Vegas Raiders. Our friends at Typico Sportsbook have the Chargers favored 3.5 in Las Vegas, the total sitting at 49.5. I'm taking the 3 in the hook with the Las Vegas Raiders. The Raiders are 6-4 against the spread as an underdog. The Chargers are 4-6 against the spread as a favorite the Raiders may be getting tight end Darren Waller back and I have this game as a pick'em. so you give me the extra three and a half points with the home underdog and a must win I'll take the Raiders Nate how do you see this game playing out
3: I'll also be taking the Raiders the Chargers have the third worst rush defense in the NFL and the Raiders have been force feeding it to Josh Jacobs with at least 15 carries over his last three give me the Raiders three and a half a legion will be rocking <laughs>
2: That was your typical sportsbook minute. For a limited time, new users in Colorado and New Jersey from this podcast will enjoy a special welcome bonus. Get your bonus today at usatodaybet.com/podcast. That's usatodaybet.com/podcast. See typico.com for terms and conditions. 21 plus only. Gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in New Jersey, 1-800-522-4700 in Colorado.
0: All right, Bucks finishing this one out at home, Week 18. Luke, they are seven and a half point favorites over Carolina, and right now the Bucks, if all things you know hold, will be the three seed. Now we, we're not sure who's the seven, the six seed are going to be. Could be the Eagles. We'll have to see how that plays out. Could be the 49ers, right? Uh, so, what does this game mean for the Bucks? Is there a lot of meaning here? Are they, they they still have a chance to slide up to the number two seed? Right. So they're they're playing this thing out.
1: Yeah, yeah, I think it's huge for them. And Bruce said that uh, this week that there's no. You know we'd love to get the game to a point where we can take some people out uh, but but they got to make sure it's in hand first because like you said the two seed is still on the table um, and it's the NFC West so anything can happen right the, the, you know the 49ers are, are capable of beating the Rams um, obviously the the Ravens almost took care of that this past week and I know Buck's fans were pulling for that one but uh, but yeah it's everything is every there with you can improve something and again this isn't just about the first week of the playoffs you know it's not just about getting the two seed so that you face, you know, a, a lower seeded team or, cause sometimes that doesn't even work. I mean, especially this year, if you're, as long as you're not the four, which the bucks can't be at this point, even if they lose on Sunday, if I'm not mistaken, they can't drop below three. And so you're not going to play Arizona. You're not going to play the top wildcard team. So after that, I mean, whether you get the Eagles or the 49ers or whoever, I mean, that might not even help you. It's about what happens after that, because if you're the two seed, you're getting two home playoff games. If you're the two seed and somebody happens to knock off green Bay, you're getting the NFC title game at home now. Yep. Yep. So that's, you know, it's bigger than just who you face in the wild card round. There are, you know, huge ramifications for being at two instead of three that could, that could pay off down the line as well.
0: The matchup though, Luke, against the Panthers, this Carolina team is kind of uh how can we say this nicely? Stumbling towards the finish line. Is that a good way to say it for the Carolina? They're not, they're not in a good place. They're probably ready for their season to be done. They don't have much to play for the bucks do, but, uh, Bucks, like I said, seven and a half point favorites. What do you think about that spread? Do you like the Bucks to win this one big by two scores?
1: Yeah, yeah, I do. And again, they're going to be motivated to start fast and get up so that they can they can rest some of those guys in the in the second half, even fourth quarter. Um, and I think we'll see a hopefully a similar a similar situation play out to what we saw in Week 16. That offense of Carolina is just bad. I mean, they don't have any clue what they're doing at quarterback. Um, they don't have Christian McCaffrey. Obviously, they have some playmakers. You know, they got DJ Moore and, and Robbie Anderson's a big play guy when they want to. They want to have one, and that offensive line though is is just terrible and, and can't hold up right now. Defense again has some playmakers. You got Jeremy Chin out there, Brian Burns, Shaq Thompson. You got some some guys that can make plays. But I, I think the Bucks should be a very similar situation again. That was on the road. The Bucks get them at home this week? Yeah. Uh, with a chance again to to go after the two seed. They've got a lot more to play for than the Panthers do. Who honestly, it behooves them to lose at this point. They're looking at a top five, top six pick right now, so they could even gain some ground there. I think if they if they drop this one, so yeah, I don't see this going any any differently than it did a few weeks ago.
0: Now I'm recovering from a popsicle headache because I was trying to talk this talk through this with you, Luke, and I'm, I confused myself. But I'm just going to say that the math is right. I can't tell you why because I'm just not smart enough to do it. But we know that the Bucks and the Saints cannot play each other in the first round, but the Saints can get in the playoffs. Uh, the good news for fans is that if the Bucks and the Saints do face each other, Luke, it will be later on, probably in the NFC Championship game if it comes to that. So, And it would be in Tampa. And it would be in Tampa Bay. So, yeah, the Saints are going to have to pull off some road warrior stuff like the Bucs did last year to get in, to, to get there. So, fans that are, you know, scared of the Saints, and I can't help myself, I am too, when the Bucks play the Saints. Cause yeah, how, could, we, how could you weird not Weird things happen. We know that's not coming in round one. But is there any matchup that scares you, like uh, Eagles, 49ers, whoever it ends up being? Does one of those scare you more than the other?
1: Uh, it's the man in the mirror. Uh, the Bucks match up against themselves. I, I think their ability to play like they did on Sunday against the Jets for three quarters is what what makes me the most afraid. Uh, I think that they, if they play as well as they're capable, regardless of who's out there, I, I mean, even if they've got some guys that are banged up or some guys that are missing, they're still talented enough they're a way better team than the 49ers. They're a way better team than the Eagles. They beat the Eagles earlier this year. Closer game than it should have been in the second half. Eagles made a bit of a comeback there, but they were they were blowing out the Eagles for most of that game. Um, you know, the 49ers obviously have some talented guys, but that quarterback play I think is is going to continue to hold them back and again. Well, these games are going to be in Tampa until they get to Green Bay. So, no, I I think that, you know, any of those teams are equally capable of getting blown out by the Bucks, and they're equally capable of beating the Bucs if the Bucs play down to their competition and commit penalties and commit turnovers and don't tackle well and can't get after the passer and, and don't play as well as they're capable of. They're, any of those teams can beat them even in Tampa if they do that and, and so they're just going to have to come to, come to play and, and make sure they don't beat themselves.
0: Eagles, 49ers, two teams that rely heavily on the run game on offense and it kind of plays into the Tampa strengths on defense, right? So I, I, those are good matchups for Tampa Bay. Both of those teams, they only have nine wins right now going into Week 18. So, yeah, the Bucks, they're it feels like they're down, but they're, they could still have a run in them, right? They could, still yeah. Have a and run
1: and in again, them. one of the things that's on the line this week uh, in terms of importance is the Bucks have never won 13 games in a regular season. They went 12 and four. In 2 when they won the Super Bowl, that was the best season they've ever had. They went 11-5 and five last year, obviously, before they made the run as a wild-card team. But if they win Sunday, they'll win They'll win 13 games for the first time ever.
0: Well, they're cheating, though. They have the extra game this year, Luke. You know, I mean, it is It is <laughs> what it cheat, is, man. Got the cheat code. Got the cheat code. But no, it's all good. Uh, week 18, can you believe it? We're done with the regular season after this weekend, and we're back talking playoffs. I'm here for it, man. I'm ready to see the matchup, and I'm ready to get into it. It's going to be a lot of fun.
1: I, I don't know what this is like. I don't know what to do with my hands. Two <laughs> two years in a row with with uh, playoff Bucks football. This time we get some home games. It's yeah. going to be beautiful.
0: Yeah, you haven't known what to do with yourself since Brady arrived. Come on, what are you gonna what are you, what are you talking about over here? So I
1: mean, at this point, well, I'm a I'm a Bucks Lightning Atlanta Braves fan. So I'm running out of rings. Yeah, you know, running out of yeah. fingers.
0: And it's been a good run for you. It definitely has. It definitely has. So all right, for Luke, I'm Ryan O'Leary. We appreciate you hanging on this long. Enjoy some football this weekend. We'll be back next week to talk playoffs. Looking forward to it. Catch you then.